You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. One of the province's most wanted gangsters could soon be coming back to BC to face trial. As Rumina Dea reports, Connor DeMonte has lost his battle against extradition from Puerto Rico. After more than a decade on the run, the BC gangster wanted for murder had his day in court in Puerto Rico, where he was arrested last year. Connor Vincent DeMonte had been vigorously fighting extradition to Canada. But according to U.S. court documents filed February 1st, Judge Marshall Morgan ruled, I certify the extradition of the fugitive, Connor Vincent DeMonte, to Canada on all offenses for which extradition was requested and commit the fugitive to the custody of the United States Marshal. DeMonte charged with first-degree murder in 2011 for the killing of rival gangster Red Scorpion Kevin LeClaire at a Langley shopping mall in 2009. DeMonte, the leader of the UN gang, said RCMP. The accused also wanted on one count of conspiracy to murder the Bacon brothers. DeMonte is an extremely dangerous individual and should be considered armed and dangerous. According to U.S. court documents based on Canadian submissions, DeMonte coordinated the plan to target members of the gang by collecting photographs, places they frequented, and descriptions of vehicles. He recruited and paid a hitman to be on call and contributed to a reward money fund, which paid for shooting targets. None of the allegations have been proven in court. A massive reward of up to $100,000 was extended by Canadian authorities in 2019. DeMonte had been living in Puerto Rico for years, volunteering for a honeybee charity before he was arrested with a firearm in February of last year, based on U.S. court documents, which also mentioned news reports stating DeMonte was living in a penthouse and owned a Lexus, three motorcycles and an old Jeep Cherokee. What happens next in the extradition process? We don't know. No comment from the U.S. Department of Justice or DeMonte's lawyers. North of the border, the B.C. Prosecution Service will only say no trial date has been set. We have reached out to the Canadian Department of Justice. We're still waiting for a response. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, between 2015 and the first half of 2020, Canada made 292 requests for extradition to have suspects returned to Canada. During that same time period, other countries made 1,084 requests to Canada for citizens to be returned to face trial in their countries. Those requests involved 45 different countries. Now, an unsettling attack on Granville Street. Vancouver police have released security video of the incident showing a good Samaritan being stabbed after trying to help a homeless man. Jasmine Bala joins us live from VPD headquarters with more. Jasmine, just before we show that video, we do want to warn it might be disturbing to some viewers. It is Sophie, and this is someone who is just trying to do something good, help out another person who appeared to be in trouble, but ended up getting stabbed himself as a result. Now, Vancouver police have released this video in hopes of finding the people who did it. 
It happened around 11 p.m. on January 14th near the entrance of the Granville Street SkyTrain station. The victim circled in the red sweater there. You can see the three suspects taking a hat and bag from a homeless man who appears to be asleep. The Good Samaritan, a 30-year-old man from New Westminster, sees it unfolding and tries to intervene. That's when the suspects attack him, punching him in the face and shortly after stabbing him in the chest. The suspects then ran away and the victim was taken to hospital for serious injuries. He's since been released. Police have also shared an image of the three suspects from the security footage. It was a very brave act. I mean, it's also a very dangerous act to confront somebody. Uh, you just never know what people have on them or what their intentions are. Um, but yes, he was very brave, very noble, and he, he helped somebody who he didn't know. And that's, that's great to see that. Um, that act. However, we always want people to call 911, call police, because you just never know um, what people will be carrying on them and what kind of situation that you might be put in. Police have been investigating but have yet to find the three men. But the hope is that by releasing this video and the close up images, someone may recognize them and call VPD. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Jasmine Baller reporting at VPD headquarters tonight. A Vancouver Island community is praising the efforts of a teenager who single-handedly stopped a corner store robbery. As Kylie Stanton reports, the ninth grader didn't hesitate when the time came to protect his family and their livelihood. I was about right here when he was halfway through the store. At that point, Jake Curry was getting up to serve what he thought was just another customer. And then I walk up to the counter and uh, we're face to face. That's when the 14-year-old, who happens to be six foot three, 300 pounds, saw the mask, then the knife, and instinct took over. There's a bat just right down here, and I reach for it, and that's my swing from the left. And then watch. Surveillance video captured the incident. In one frame, you see Jake getting up, heading to the counter. Comes in. At the same time, the robber approaches. He demands money, but instead strikes out. Jake hit him on the right side, and the knife just flew. Like it darted out of his hand, came flying over, landed in a bag behind the locked till area. As the man searched for his weapon, family members who live on site came to see what the commotion was about. And I said, Jake, what happened? And Jake said, well, he had a knife and he told me to give him all the money. And so then I told him to get out of the store and then he finally turned and left. The family reported the incident to Nanaimo RCMP. Officers believe the suspect matches the description of a man involved in a robbery here at another convenience store, the Superette, less than a week ago. The investigation is ongoing, but no arrests have been made. Yeah, it really angers me. The community now rallying around the family and its business. It's frustrating. All the people in the community who um, enjoy shopping at local shops, um, that's all put in jeopardy when, when people decide that they want to rob places and, and make it less profitable or even more dangerous for somebody to own a small business. Abby's opened only five months ago and the family has prepared for the possibility of an armed robbery. But seeing Jake in action has only made everyone feel more secure. I am proud of my son. Like I couldn't be prouder as a mom right now. He kept us all safe. And they're hoping it sends a message. Attempting a robbery here is going to be a swing and a miss. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
Police are asking for help in their investigation of a targeted killing that's shattered the sense of safety of people living in a Burnaby neighborhood. Mourners have been gathering at the townhouse complex where a 17-year-old boy was found shot on Thursday in a car in an underground parkade. Not long after police believed the victim was shot, a vehicle was found on fire in Surrey. Police are not saying yet whether this is related to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. The death of the teen leaving many in the neighborhood in shock. A man has now been arrested and charged in a deadly stabbing in Nanaimo last month. Nanaimo RCMP have also identified the victim as Sergei Chiliakov. It happened at about 7 p.m. Sunday the 22nd of January in the parking lot of the Port Place Mall. Chiliakov was rushed to hospital but died of his injuries. Sean Patterson has now been charged with second-degree murder. He remains in custody and is scheduled to appear in court later this month. A man is dead after an early morning home invasion in Abbotsford. Police were called to the Nicholson Avenue home just after 4 this morning after someone heard shots. They found the victim and when searching the home also found a clandestine drug lab. Police say the killing appears to have been targeted and they say there is no threat to the public. The integrated homicide investigation team is now taking over the case and is asking for any witnesses or anyone with dash cam footage from the area to get in touch. Well, as forecasted, some powerful wind gusts are now hitting the south coast, causing ferry cancellations. Gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour have been recorded, leading to the cancellation of the 3, 4, 5 and 6 p.m. sailings between Tawasson and Swartz Bay. Remaining sailings are operating with a two-hour delay. The wind has also downed trees and knocked out power to about 9,000 homes and businesses in Langley, Delta, Surrey, Seashelt, and across southern Vancouver Island. So let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon now for more on the wind and how long it's supposed to last. Christy? Well, Sophie, I think we've seen the peak of the winds uh, already, which is nice. They're starting to ease off. We could see a surge a little bit as we head into maybe just the next hour or so. But overall, look at these wind gusts, 98 kilometers an hour, Saturna Island, uh, just, uh, Discovery Island, 96 and 81 and through the Tawasson region. You can un understand why those ferries were canceled. We also have now in excess of 10,000 people without power across the lower mainland and Sunshine Coast. Now, we're going to slowly see them ease. It's still going to be wind into the evening hours, but as I mentioned, I think the peak of the winds now have, have uh, eased off. Tomorrow, a much less blustery day on the way, although the rainfall will continue. All right, we'll talk to you in a bit for the full forecast, Christy. Thank you. The recent closures of more forestry operations and mills across B.C. has fanned the flames of controversy over the exporting of raw logs. As Paul Johnson reports, critics say if the logs were kept here, they could save and even create jobs. You're looking at one of the most controversial parts of BC's forestry sector. Thursday morning, the bulk carrier ship Global Striker could be seen near Crofton taking on a massive cargo of raw logs. We weren't able to confirm the ship's destination, but publicly available shipping records show in recent months the ship has sailed to Japan and the United States. Raw log exports from British Columbia really started to accelerate uh, about 20 years ago. Resource policy analyst Ben Parfit says most of the raw logs that are being exported from B.C. are destined for Asia, turned into value-added products that, ironically, 
are often shipped back and sold to British Columbians. We're actually buying back uh, wood products that originate from logs, uh, raw logs here in British Columbia. Beginning under the previous B.C. Liberal government, the trade has continued under the NDP. But its days of flying mostly under the radar may be coming to an end. Here's a picture that an outraged Vancouver Island resident sent us of an apparent raw log shipment on Alberni Inlet. He was questioning why B.C. is still exporting so many raw logs just as mills in the interior are being closed because of a lack of wood. I still believe that the future is in secondary manufacturing. Prince George's independent mill owner and podcaster John Brink told Global News with the current state of the forestry sector, ending raw log exports is a no-brainer. A goal Parfit agrees is doable. Quite frankly, Every time we export a raw, unprocessed log, we are foregoing enormous uh, employment opportunities here at home. Forests Minister Bruce Ralston said Friday that the export of raw logs has actually fallen by almost half in recent years. He says the government wants to transition the sector from a high volume to a high value model. And then a new auditing system of raw log exports is about to come into force. Paul Johnson, Global News. A frightening confrontation on a popular North Shore trail. Don't come at me again. How a simple dog walk quickly escalated. That's next on the News Hour. When dancing takes a dangerous turn, the Iranian couple imprisoned for this. That's later on the News Hour. Plus, the power of an avalanche still to come tonight. Right now, though, North Vancouver RCMP are investigating an attack on a dog walker, part of which the victim caught on video. Kristen Robinson reports. Dog walker Lisa Adams loves her job. Good boy. But is still haunted by what happened in this forest last month. It's scary to think that someone is walking around in these woods thinking it's okay to put their hands on anybody. Let's go, come on. On January 23rd, the owner of Nature Hounds was walking five of her charges off leash, including these two greater Swiss mountain dogs on the Northlands Trail next to Mount Seymour Parkway in North Vancouver, where she encountered a man and woman with two off-leash poodles. Look at me. Adams says the woman told her to put her effing dogs on a leash. The verbal exchange escalated, Adams says, when she pulled out her phone, and the man came at her. He grabbed me by both my shoulders and shoved me down into the bushes. And now I'm on my back and he's on top of me. He just began pummeling me. One, two, one, two. And I had my hands up trying to defend myself like this. Adams fought back as her dogs tried to free her. The woman, she says, eventually pulled the assailant off of her. Her legs bruised and battered. Adams managed to get up before she says the man came at her again and turns and throws me face down in the bushes this time. Um, and he was on my back and he's pummeling me again. I just started screaming at the top of my lungs. I've never heard that sound come out of me. Fortunately, one of her clients was nearby and heard her cries for help. Adams reported the incident to RCMP. Investigators are speaking with witnesses to identify the suspect.
We're potentially looking at assault charge. Uh, my understanding is that the victim in this case was punched, uh, pushed down, and um, further uh, kicked and punched. Don't come at me again! Adams won't forget the fight-or-flight experience. You realize that you're not going to be able to get out of this situation on your own. That is the most terrifying moment you will ever go through. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, another BC community facing possible ER closures. The next closest hospital is 150 kilometers away, which is... The critical staffing shortage in Masset and how health officials are responding. Good evening. Crews are on scene to a stall northbound on the Alex Fraser Bridge in the right lane. And traffic is slow out of Delta on Highway 91 from 72nd Avenue. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Hewison in the Global Traffic Center. Well, the province is providing a financial boost to encourage more paramedics to join the field. Is this going to solve all our problems? No, but it is going to take a significant dent out of uh, um, our need to recruit. And, uh, you know, and right now, that's what uh, we need is more people getting trained. BC is investing approximately $2 million to expand paramedic training programs. Funding will go to more than 100 participants in the Justice Institute of BC's Primary Care Paramedic Certificate Program, as well as around 30 students in emergency medical responder training. This comes after months of BC Ambulance experiencing one of its worst staffing shortages in history, resulting in longer wait times and, in some cases, no service at all. Residents of yet another B.C. community are bracing for closures at their only emergency department. Northern Haida Gwaii Hospital in Masset has a shortage of nurses. As Catherine Urquhart reports, some fear shutting down the ER overnight will have deadly consequences. Outside Northern Haida Gwaii Hospital in Masset, a rally to support health care workers. The gathering comes amid a critical shortage of nurses and planned closures in the coming weeks. Overworked, uh, lots of hours, days and days without having any days off. So we want them to feel love. A closure would require that patients needing emergency care be transported to Haida Gwaii Hospital about an hour and a half away. If this goes on long enough uh, and we end up having to divert, um, so close the eMERGE, uh, um, or divert people to the um, southern hospital. Uh, eventually, they'll, you know, people will die because they weren't able to get timely care. In an emailed statement, Northern Health told Global News, contingency planning is underway for upcoming periods of limited staffing coverage. It may include planned, scheduled, or intermittent emergency department service interruptions at Northern Haida Gwaii Hospital, particularly during overnight periods. If under some circumstance a hospital would have to be, an ER would have to be closed overnight, we have alternative um, uh, measures being put in place to support uh, people in the community. For healthcare workers in Masset, staffing shortages have been a long-running problem. Right now it's been a big problem. And I feel like lately it's almost been to the point where uh, uh, even people coming in to replace for short periods of time are getting burnt out in the short period of time they're here and they don't want to come back. Northern Health says long-term care at the hospital will not be impacted. 
ER closures at Northern Haida Hospital are expected to begin in the next few weeks. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up next, a simple dance sends a couple to prison. Whenever you think, you know, this is as outrageous as it can get, uh, you know, the Islamic Republic manages to surprise you. Iran doubles down on its crackdown on dissent. The BC activists committed to calling out the regime. Plus. Your first thought is, am I going to die? One woman's cancer fight turns into a mission to help others. It's a busy commute for southbound traffic over at the Arthur Lang Bridge with major delays on Granville Street from north of 70th Avenue. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, Expert Repair for Your Vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. While the Iranian government persists in its brutal crackdown on pro-democracy demonstrators, a network of activists here in Canada has taken on the difficult task of cataloging and publicizing the atrocities. As Nigar Mushtahedi reports, their goal is to keep up the international pressure on the regime. It may seem like nothing out of the ordinary, but what you're watching is a crime in Iran. After the video of the engaged Iranian couple dancing in Tehran's Freedom Square went viral, they were sentenced to 10 and a half years in jail. They were arrested, violently beaten up. That ruling gaining attention worldwide, thanks in part to a BC-based nonprofit, Iranian Knowledge, a nonpartisan group trying to raise awareness by creating video content and translating news from Farsi to English. This has obviously caused an uproar around the world, and including the you know with the Iranian community, because there was a fellow who beheaded his wife, uh, wife's head, and only got eight years, and the, this couple who are simply dancing in the street got ten and a half years. Another troubling case is that of. Shahla Abdi, a woman in her early 20s, set to be executed along with her unborn baby. She's four months pregnant. Whenever you think, you know, this is as outrageous as it can get, uh, you know, the Islamic Republic manages to surprise you. Shahla set fire to a portrait of the founding father of the Islamic Republic, Ruhollah Khomeini, a crime punishable by death. When I look at it, it's so painful that I... Nearly 40 years ago, Port Coquitlam resident Mahbubin Mushtahed was also pregnant when she and her husband, both political activists, were imprisoned. She was tortured and gave birth inside prison. Her husband was executed in 1988. I totally understand her feeling. I know that at this moment that she's pregnant, she's not thinking about herself. She's thinking about the baby. Mahbubit now advocating for her release. My heart is beating for her. I think about her every single moment since that happened. When it was released on social media that she's going to be executed, immediately I had flashback to the situation I was, and I didn't know what's going to happen to my life. As the Islamic Republic intensifies its crackdown, Canadians are doing what they can to amplify the voices of its most committed opponents. Nagar Moshahedi, Global News.
A Surrey woman diagnosed with colorectal cancer is on a mission to help those on a similar journey. Catherine Perka has reached the end of her treatment, but those weeks gave her a good look at the pressure on the system and the need for more care. As Sarah McDonald reports, that inspired her to step up and give back. That was our engagement there. Everything was just settling. We were looking to start a family and that's when I started getting my symptoms. Catherine Perka and her husband Dan had been married for just a few months when a cancer diagnosis in 2019 turned their world upside down. It's really hard to get a diagnosis when you're young like that and especially they don't think it's going to be colon cancer. At just 32, Catherine was diagnosed with stage 3 colorectal cancer. It took about six months until my diagnosis. Once I was diagnosed, then you're thrown into the world of appointments and treatment and surgeries. And it was that experience at the BC Cancer Centre in Surrey that inspired the newlyweds to fundraise for further improvements. You also look around and see so many patients going through the same different, you know, journeys alongside you and how many people there are. Your first round of... Chemo there. They ended up raising $14,000, the proceeds of a pub night held last October. Crucial funding that's all part of a wider effort to improve cancer care province-wide. The Perkins funds will go towards colorectal cancer and leukemia research and help improve the experience of future patients in the same suite where Catherine underwent chemotherapy. Getting in to start your treatment sooner rather than later, I, I know that's got to be huge for people. The expansion of the suite will increase its capacity by up to 900 infusions every month. One important step in a larger effort to reduce the ever-growing wait times province-wide. In Fraser Region, for example, by bringing in a brand new cancer centre to Surrey and a brand new cancer centre to Burnaby. As for Catherine and Dan, they're now looking towards the future. I actually just had scans on Tuesday and they came back clear. Hoping to help others embarking on a similar journey. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Potential turbulence ahead for the Tri-Cities. These types of changes can be and likely will be significant. Residents making noise over a proposed shift in the flight path. And later, a new look for Bo Horvat. The former Canuck hits the ice at All-Star Weekend with some conflicting loyalties. Join the new Global BC Arts and Culture Scene segment as we explore all the people and places that make our creative community so special. So come make the scene. The Global BC Arts and Culture Scene on Global BC and BC One. Proposed changes to the flight paths for planes taking off and landing at YVR are causing growing concern in the Tri-Cities. The new routes are designed to shorten flight times and make air traffic control simpler. If approved, it would mean a lot more low-flying planes and noise for some communities. Aaron MacArthur reports. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Planes arrive at YVR from around the world. How they get to the runway has changed over the years. Now the company responsible for air traffic, Nav Canada, is proposing a set of new flight paths. The news has caught more than a few people off guard. Port Moody's city council sent a letter opposing the changes. So I just happened to see a pop-up ad uh, as I was on the internet. And so, and that was late last week. 
Nav Canada announced on December 6th its intention to alter the approaches pilots use in order to shorten routes, reduce fuel consumption, and improve airspace safety. The new routes, though, will see planes at lower altitudes over the Tri-Cities. Estimated noise pollution could top 55 decibels in some areas. The mayor of Port Coquitlam also sent a letter in opposition. Brad West says the consultation period of just a few weeks was inadequate. Uh, it's been a very low-key, uh, under-the-radar consultation, if you can call it that. And so that raises questions for people. According to some local residents in the Tri-Cities, the changes will be intolerable. A website has been created and a petition launched to pressure the nonprofit corporation to alter course. Nav Canada didn't respond to Global's request for information, but on its website admits the new flight paths will result in some areas more heavily affected. But on balance, says 60,000 fewer people in the region will have noise issues with landing aircraft. The information that is available is very high level. It is very difficult for someone who doesn't have expertise in this area to figure out what exactly the impacts are going to be. The period for public submissions closed February 3rd. Nav Canada says it will consider the public's input. Changes aren't expected to be made until likely next year. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon once again with a look at the weather forecast. Uh, wind was uh, definitely a factor today. How does the rest of the weekend look, Christy? Well, not as windy as what we saw today, that's for sure. And actually a little bit less rainfall as we head into Sunday as well. But I just want to quickly show you, we talked about earlier, the peak wind gusts ranging close to 100 kilometers an hour, Saturna Island. We uh, just had a report of more than 12,000 without power across Metro Vancouver. We're seeing this strong southerly flow right now, and it's really impacting those southern regions of Metro Vancouver. And you can see a pulse through the Strait of Georgia region as well. We have seen the peak. It is going to continue to ease off through the overnight period, but it'll take a while for that to really die down. Uh, tomorrow still will be blustery, but we're not going to see wind warning criteria, about 60 kilometer an hour gusts. We also have a snowfall warning for the Coquihalla, 15 centimeters of snow expected overnight and significant snow in the uh, uh, Pine Pass area as well as uh, Mc uh, McKenzie area. So uh, reduced visibility are, are expected until tomorrow morning. So wait until tomorrow afternoon to do any traveling in that region. There's the rainfall for our region. It is going to be sort of heavy through the overnight period and as we head towards the latter part of the day tomorrow a very intense uh, bout of precipitation will move across Vancouver Island. We'll see that shift across our region Saturday night but Sunday we'll get in behind it and the rain will ease up a little bit but again that snowfall for the Coquihalla through the overnight period tonight. So there's your forecast for your Saturday much brighter for the Caribou Central Interior and look at how mild it is. So the system that we saw today really allowing those temperatures to surge and the freezing level as well. So not great news for the local mountains. Eight degrees as our daytime high for tomorrow. We are going to see it be lighter, the precipitation on Sunday with a high of nine degrees, but the next system is going to move in on, on Monday. That one could be a little bit more intense. We'll have more details on that, of course, as we head throughout the weekend. Tonight's Central Windows weather window coming to you from the Boundary Bay area. Peter Skir sharing that with us. You can see the waves from the winds out there. A beautiful shot. So thank you so much to Peter for that. So back to you. All right. Thanks, Christy. A new video shows the jaw-dropping power of a major avalanche.
The video was filmed by crews from the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure. You can see two explosive charges go off, then a huge avalanche rapidly moves across and down the face of the mountain. The slide, part of routine avalanche control work in the mountains above Highway 37A near Stewart and the BC-Alaska border. That's Mother Nature at work and some help, of course, from the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, all right, Squire is... I, I am more familiar with the Colorado avalanche. That is a fair point. Yes. You are. Is this a little like the first time you see your ex with their new partner? I don't know why that... Do you off, I mean, you're not always, not everybody's going to see the ex with the new partner. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if you do see the ex with the new partner, it's like, whoa, what's that all about? It looks a little strange. Yes, it looks a little strange tonight because, of course, Bo Horvat is at the All-Star game. He was supposed to rep the Canucks, but now he has to wear an Islanders uniform. <laughs> but coming up in a few moments, I'll show you how Elias Pedersen won the hardest shot competition. <laughs> Thank you. And later, Squires on double duty tonight. Satellite debris still to come. Nice and neat my stack of papers is. Yeah, everybody does it their own way. <laughs> <laughs> Yours I don't like, have to like, so how do you how do you change those papers? I do this. Oh, I, bad. You don't like After I read this one, I put I it see. down here. So you know what? After I read this one, I just move it like that. You put it on the floor. I throw my, oh no, there's a box here. <laughs> I don't throw things on the floor. There's a box. And if you do, you pick them up. I pick them up, okay. exactly. There. Okay, so now the audience knows all the secrets of our show. <laughs> uh, tonight is the uh, skills part of the NHL All-Star Weekend down in Miami, and Elias Pettersson was in the hardest shot competition. His opponent, or his opponents were, Alex Ovechkin, Rasmus Dahlin, Seth Jones, and Josh Morrissey. Now, interestingly enough, this event is rarely won by a forward. Ovechkin was the only forward to win it in the last seven years, otherwise all defensemen. Oh, and tonight we got a weird view of the new reality. Or a view of the weird new reality is what I'm trying to say. There it is right there. Bo Horvat wearing the captain highliner uniform of the Islanders talking to his old buddy Elias Pettersson. Hardest shot competition, Pettersson for the win. He did win this. This says 100, but it was actually 103.2 and nobody shot the puck harder than that. So Elias Patterson won the hardest shot composition. And look at this, Roberto Luongo came out with the Panthers uniform. P.K. Subban and Mitch Marner going with some Miami Vice outfit. Ah, not going to score, or did he score? No, no goal on the Hall of Famer. Sarah Nurse. Beats Igor Shosturkin. Oh, that's, uh, that was Pedersen like that move. And Connor McDavid, accuracy shooting. Bo Horvat is passing him the puck. Well, they do commercials together, so I guess they're buddies now. Yeah, good passing by Horvat. Excellent shooting by Connor McDavid. That was good. 
That was good. Okay, so tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock, there will be a celebration of life for Gina Ojik at Musqueam. They would like to keep the attendees to people who knew Gino well, so there isn't an overflow crowd. But you can watch the service on BC One. We'll have it for you starting at 2 o'clock. We'll televise the whole thing. Now, with the NHL skills competition going on, there is actually an old tape we found in the library of this very TV station where we have Gino Ojik at the Canucks skills event from way back in 1993. Now, Gino, who loved playing jokes on other players, got one played on him. Some of the other Canucks gave Gino Ojik sabotage sticks that would break every time he took a shot. Watch. Here we go. So Gino doesn't realize that this stick has been compromised. He finds out when he finally does this. And this happened, I think, three times. And finally, Tim Hunter and Yuri Slager. Finally, he got a good stick, and when he got a good stick, the blade flew off, and it broke the, uh, the radar gun, or at least the, uh, <coughs> the part that shows you how fast it went. One more look. As I said, Gina was a great prankster, but this time he got the prank played on him. And we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye to him tomorrow. As we said yesterday, the two newest Whitecaps should be signed, sealed, and delivered by the middle of next week. Striker Sergio Cordova and goalkeeper Yohei Takaoka, who according to a Japanese reports, has finalized his deal with the Whitecaps. And that means Thomas Asawa will move back to the number two spot in the goalkeeping roster. Takaoka is uh, going to be 27 years old in March. He was the best goalkeeper in the J-League last year, which is Japan's number one league. And his team, Yokohama Marinos, won the championship as well. He's only 5'11". That sounds short for a keeper, but I think that was Max Krapo's height as well, and he had no trouble stopping shots. Takaoka wants to play outside of Japan. He wants to play in a better league. That's what the MLS is, and he's hoping by playing well in Vancouver, he'll get a chance at making Japan's national team in the near future. Now, the Whitecaps are in Palm Springs. We have viewers in Palm Springs as well. Uh, in Palm Springs. Hello, everybody in Palm Springs. They have another exhibition game tomorrow against Charlotte. Uh, they actually have five exhibition games while they're in Palm Springs, and that is something they really wanted to have this year, a lot of exhibition action, a chance to work on as many things as possible. Most importantly, offensive rhythm, because that takes time to build. Uh, the sharpness, the, uh, the speed and the agility is the last thing that counts, because first comes the volume, the aerobic, and uh, the conditioning, and that's how... That's the reason why we're playing so many games, because we want to have uh, game rhythm and we want to put the guys in those kind of situations as much as we can. And I think that uh, it will come soon, the, the sharpness close to the goal. And congratulations to offensive lineman Theo Benedict of UBC, who got to play in the East-West Shrine game for college all-stars last night in Vegas. He was invited down to play alongside Division I NCAA, or NCAA players. Like that, which means Benedict could be an NFL draft pick. He's already a highly touted CFL prospect. Good for you. There we go. Thank you very much, Squire. You're welcome. And stick around. He has satellite debris next. I do. I do.
All right, Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, we are working on a bizarre story for tonight's broadcast. It involves a dramatic rescue today off the coast of Astoria, Oregon, an area of rough seas dubbed the Graveyard of the Pacific. A man on a stolen boat had issued a mayday call. It turns out that man is wanted by police in British Columbia. We'll tell you who he is, what else he's accused of, and why, despite being rescued earlier today, police in Oregon are still looking for him tonight. Oh, and there's actually one more twist here. This story has a connection to the 1985 adventure comedy, The Goonies. Full details well, at 11. Sophie? If that isn't enough <laughs> to get people watching at 11, I don't know what would be, but I am staying up late. Glad to hear that. Or unless you tell me about it during the commercial break. I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> All right. Um, we have some business to take care of, though, here on the news hour. Before that, yes, okay. yes. Um, so Super Bowl's next week, so these Super Bowl commercials are going to come up very soon. I think this is actually one of them. This might be uh, this might be a preview of what you'll see on the Super Bowl. But uh, it's Sylvester Stallone for the Paramount Channel. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Paramount Mountain. Okay. This mountain has three faces. The northern face, the southern face, and... The Sylvester Stallone face. Stallone! Of course. Who's crazy enough to climb that? <sighs> hey, how you doing? How you doing? Is that Dad? Yeah. He always does this. I got gooseies. Look at my legs. Hey, act ticklish. Yeah. No, no, don't sneeze. Oh, dear God, no. Keep it in there, big boy. <laughs> Hold it in. Hold it. Hold it. Don't do it. Go. Ha! He'll be all right. Maybe. He's fine. He does this. This is normal. wonder if I need surgery. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have all those cameos, but a Beavis and Butthead cameo. Now that's big time. Who okay. Who comes up with yeah. these things? Uh, so this one, actually, I, I, speaking of finding things in the library, this one I had kicking around for a while. This is a couple of years ago when everybody was staying home uh, from COVID, and it was from Bud Light. Check it out. Bud Light presents Stay at Home Humans of Genius. Stay at Home Humans of Genius. Today, we salute you, indoor sports maker upper. Indoor sports maker upper. Most argue that being an athlete requires talent and hard work. You believe it takes a live stream and a dumb idea. Extreme origami. You look at the simple task of sweeping and think this would be a lot more exciting with a stopwatch and a clementine. Sweepy broom ball. And only you could possess the sheer grit and determination it takes to catch 27 cheese balls in your masterful mouth. Could have gone pro. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, old indoor innovator, because you make staying home a little more fun for everyone. Indoor sports maker I like the singing, especially. <laughs> it's okay, the slow we too. did a lot of that stuff at home here. Did you? Did you make stuff up? Yeah, lots. And maker upper. Yes, you were a maker upper. We had the Olympics going on at one point around here. Wow! I'm should, excited. Should have told yeah. us. We would have come over and filmed.
Uh, okay, so the old uh, Super Bowl commercial. I'm sure they'll have a commercial this year. I know you love these guys. Avocados from Mexico. Here we go. Good afternoon and welcome. What? I said good afternoon and welcome. Can we release the masks? Just take them off. How can we be a secret... How can we be a secret society if we can't keep all of our secrets? Do they know we faked the moon landing? No, not yet. Or that there are only 49 shades of gray? They're suspicious, but that's not what I'm talking about. What about Bigfoot? Bigfoot's not real and everyone knows that. Did they figure out we deflated the football? No, we found a fall guy for that one. Bigfoot's definitely real. Nope. Okay. We'll just have to agree to disagree. What about Area 51? Do they know about that? No. How about Area 52 to 54? No, stop saying areas. No areas plus a number. Literally hundreds of photos of Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah, I saw him once. Wait, See? wait, Bigfoot? I'm getting it wrong. Paul Bunyan? Point is, someone is leaking this stuff. Why are you looking at me? I'm not looking at you, Anne. I'm tired. I've seen his footprint with us. Scott! What they do know is that avocados from Mexico have good fats. So they know they're healthy. They know everything. Kyle, are you streaming this? Is that not cool? No, it's not cool. It, that's what secret means. It's a secret society. Oh, wow. Secret, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Hey, I got a like. You got a like? That was me. <laughs> I like you too. At least they don't know about subliminal advertising. That's not even a thing, right? Eat them! What the... Avocados from Mexico! Can't wait. That was hilarious. Avocados from Mexico. It's the best one. Avocados <laughs> from Mexico. Okay, on that note, have a good weekend, all. Night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.